Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Kanika was seen apparently very heavily intoxicated um, going through the lobby of the hotel early the morning of, of Saturday, September 9th. And a short time later, she was seen again on security uh, camera footage, um, this time leaving an elevator by herself and having difficulty keeping balance as she was kind of stumbling against a wall and then continuing to walk and, and leaving the, the frame of the camera. And um, while she was alone at that particular time, that was not the case for most of that evening. She, in mm -hmm. fact, um, well, had, had started her night at home, uh, just hanging out with her mom until about 11.30 p.m. on the night of Friday, September 8th. And at that point, she told her mom, hey, I'm going to go out. Can I borrow your car? I'm going to go out and um, go bowling, mm -hmm. some late night bowling with my How friends. How old is she again? She's ni 19. Mm -hmm. So she, um, but that's not what she does. She goes to a hotel in room 926 of the Crown Plaza Hotel in Rosemont, um, you know, the, where there was going to be this big party. And this, this party, I don't know, It's it was kind of weird. Like, you know, it's not that weird to have a hotel room party, right? That's kind of like a normal teenager thing to do. But this one was um, booked with a stolen credit card. Oh, so and it was kind of sketchy. It was kind of sketchy, yeah. Yeah. And there were some noise complaints made throughout the night, but n nothing really nef that other than the stolen credit card thing really had nefarious, you know, in the underage drinking, uh, drinking seemed to, to happen, like, at the party itself. Um, but anyway, um, according to her friends, like, in some of the statements that they made to the police and the, the media and so forth, Kanika appeared somewhat withdrawn during the party that night, like not quite herself. Um, she dr reportedly drank a lot, um, but didn't take any drugs. Um, they, they were seen and, um, there was only one that was found in her system after the autopsy, which we'll talk about. And, um, she briefly kind of danced, uh, but generally was kind of, didn't seem to be enjoying herself too much. Right. She would, they said kind of dance and then go sit down and, and she, she seemed kind of down. And um, one attendant reported that Kanika was so drunk, seemed so drunk, that she was, like, swaying back and forth. And when, when she, like, hugged him, she was, like, very, un, you know, settled on her feet. And another um, attendant said that she was, quote, uh, wasn't acting like her usual self, mm -hmm. close quote. So something else seemed to be going on. And um, while some of the statements from the party's attendants kind of changed over time, that part seemed fairly consistent and clear. Like yeah. She seemed very drunk. She didn't quite see She was kind of off. Was kind of off, yeah. Um, so the last time anyone had contact with Kanika, as far as we know, was her sister, Leonor Harris, with whom she was texting at about 1.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, and eventually, this is right about the time that, that she, she kind of went missing as well. So um, eventually a, a, li a Facebook live stream video would emerge that purported to show the party in the room in 926. Um, and this this kind of came out like right even that night and when, when things were the next day, when things were kind of like starting to show up in the media. And it ended up being viewed millions of times and like poured over for any possible evidence, right, by police official investigators, but also by, you know, internet sleuths. Um, if, if you've heard of this case, it's, like, very sort of famous on YouTube and stuff for yeah weird videos that are, like, basically, like, conspiracy theory videos. Um, 
and that started that kind of stuff started like kind of right from the beginning so and some people claimed that you could even hear like Kanika on that video live Facebook live stream video like calling out for help in the background but that doesn't actually seem like probably what would happen I feel like I heard I listened to that yeah. and tried to hear it. It's like in some of the stories and stuff, but it's yeah. it's like probably not true. One one of the attendants said that the the song that was playing used a sample of somebody saying like help, help or something. Okay. Like it was just music playing in the background and then they make these YouTube videos where it's this enhanced sound thing and it makes it sound like it's something that it's not. So um yeah, just the, there was some kind of debunking done around that specifically. So as you can imagine, though, um, the internet sort of theorizing and conspiracy theorizing and yep. was, like I said, strong from the very beginning, continues to be strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but in any case, from what could be parsed by you know, police official investigators, it seemed like Kanika's friends sort of briefly for whatever reason, well, I'll say why, left Kanika um, to retrieve Kanika's phone and car keys that she had left at the party. That that they So they they went to this party about an hour or two later. They ended up leaving. But it seemed like Kanika left her phone, at least according to her friends, left her phone and her car keys at, in room 926. So they had to, like, go back. But what didn't make sense to me or to her mom was why they would just leave her, especially if she yeah. was so drunk. Yeah. And the, but there were four of them. One of them couldn't have stayed with her. I know, right? Or two, or three, and the other one went and... So that part of it, it always seemed kind of strange. Um, but that's, you know, like, part part of the mystery of this. So, anyway, what they say is by the time they get, they got back with her car keys and her phone, Kanika was gone. They don't know why. But she had just, like, walked off. I mean, yeah, she's drunk. Yeah, again, she, she seemed very, very drunk. Um, and when she had been missing for about an hour, so about 4.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, Kanika's friends decided to call her mom, uh, Teresa Martin. Um, and Teresa arrived about an hour, uh, about a half an hour later, rather, at about 5 a.m. and spoke with the front desk and to Kanika's friends. And the hotel management told her that they could not review security footage until they actually had a missing persons report like, filed with the police, and the police told them. That's, like, what they told her. Now, obviously, that was Is that true? I, I mean, that that was, like, their policy, I guess. That doesn't sound true. I, I don't know. Was, I actually don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you know, it is a thing for various for reasons. Like, yeah, I don't know. for safety reasons. Liability or... Um, or... Uh, privacy reasons or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's what they told her. Um, and at that point, Teresa, of course, called the police, um, wanting to file that missing persons report, right, so she could get this done. But they, they wouldn't, basically wouldn't do it. They were, like, downplaying her concerns, saying, oh, just, yeah. you know, wait, see if she turns up. This happens a lot. Um, and is, of course, the exact opposite of what one should do in a situation like this. Um, this first few... If you've ever seen an episode of CSI, or what, what is it called? Um, Criminal Minds, any of these shows... Um, and I think it's also true, you know, it's real poli police, uh, truth that the first few hours and minutes are actually critical in, in finding someone who's, mi yep. who's truly missing and, and probably don't you think we should assume they are instead of assuming they aren't? I agree. I mean, I don't know. Better safe than sorry, right? Yeah, that's what one would think. Better um, to have like her be like, 
come on, you guys. I wasn't missing. Then, like... Yeah. You know? But, anyway, that that official declaration of the missing... Of Kanika as a missing person um, did actually occur at about 1.15 p.m. And by that time, Kanika had been missing for about 10 hours. So all oh, public yeah. areas... At that and, point, it's like... Yeah. I mean, yes, of course. She's truly miss, truly missing at this point. I mean, come on. So, um, yeah... Um, all public areas and the ninth floor especially were searched, um, but no trace of Kanika was found. And that afternoon, police did an initial search of hotel footage that was unsuccessful, and then they left. Kanika's family continued to search. Um, they, they came back for like a third time that night, later that night, started just knocking on people's doors from the top floor to the bottom I mean, floor, yeah. saying like, hey, have you seen Kanika Jenkins? Like, hey, do you know anything? Um, the hotel, um, instead of helping them, decided to call the police on them, saying, like, hey, these people are just, like, bothering what? guests. Yeah. And thankfully, apparently, the one of the officers that responded to that call was very understanding and was, like, actually, like, hey, I want to help the family. Yeah. And decided to uh, sort of take it upon uh, him or herself to, like, Okay, we're going to review more Good. footage. We're going to review footage until we find something. Good. Because clearly there would be something. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's the game. Like, look through the footage. Yes, it's going to take hours, but there's going to be something. So anyway, um, they do, in fact, do that. And at, um, sometime after 10 p.m. on Saturday night, they locate footage of, that, of Kanika in the lobby that I mentioned earlier. And... Um, at uh, some point uh, later that night, at about uh, 12.30 or so, Kanika's body was located uh, in the aforementioned freezer within the, the cooler um, in the unused kitchen. And um, she was pronounced dead at 12.48 a.m. Mm. early Sunday morning. Um, now, ob- obviously, her family was distraught at this point. Yeah. Um, just completely distraught. Um and were left really wondering if Kanika had been killed. That was their question from the very beginning. Never been um, satisfactorily answered, you know, to their satisfaction. Or I think to most people's satisfaction, really. I mean, um, it again, this is the whole thing with this case, right? I mean, it's not that old. People re- remember this. They they have their opinions. Yeah. Um, but who's to say whether it was murder or not? There's just really not that much to go on. But based on, you know, the, the initial investigation, sort of how it, how it was conducted, the family were left obviously very skeptical that this was being properly handled or had ever been properly handled from the very beginning uh, by the police or by the hotel. And, and as, we'll, as we'll see, they, they make that as an official declaration in court. Um, we'll, as we'll so, um, yeah, that... Um, it also seemed weird to Kanika's mother, uh, Teresa, that Kanika would, in fact, have left her phone, you know, back in the, however drunk she was, right, back in the room. Um, she was very skeptical of, of this friend's story in general. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do, do we really know what happened around that whole time? Yeah. Do you think one of the friends knows something? It doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, I, there's just so little to go on, but... Um, really? There, I mean, it could. You'd, you'd think that, I don't know, I feel like one of the friends knows has to know something. Maybe? Maybe. I don't know. 
This is a tough one. Yeah, and and you know, according to Teresa, to, to Kanika's mom, um, the friend's kind of stories kind of changed over time too. So that wouldn't maybe maybe that's just because they're nervous. Well, they were all drunk. Their friend died because they were drunk. Yeah, but none of them were probably in the you know, you know, it's like a completely sober state of mind. I I assume that's was seemed the whole point of the night. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, after hearing from the friends, examining the evidence, police and medical examiners believed um, and ruled that Kanika's death was a, an accident, that it was an accidental death. And authorities determined that Kanika was seen in security footage near the freezer where she was found and theorized that she opened the door of the cooler, which was a latch, and then the walk-in freezer within it, which was also a latch, um, and then laid down and died because she was really drunk which in a way makes sense and in a way makes absolutely no sense at all well it's tough because she's drunk and drunk people don't do things that make sense right so maybe she was like oh my god i'm hot i'm sweating and like went into the freezer and was like oh i'll just sit here for a little bit and fell asleep right her her sister Mm -hmm. especially felt that she wouldn't have been coordinated enough to do this that those latches are kind of heavy mm-hmm. and that but i mean that's fairly circumstantial whether she would have been able to or not you know it's so, sort of hard to determine was it that she was locked in there and couldn't get out no good question because i know no. most freezers have those security measures right, for right. safety or whatever um so in the on the inside of the freezer mm-hmm. so again this is, this is a kitchen that was not currently being used there was no food in it but it was being cooled and left on because there was a restaurant that was being opened in, in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And they they were this was just like a flex freezer that mm-hmm. they could have used. So they wanted to keep it cool. Mm-hmm. Keep it, you know, at freezing temperatures. Um, but on the very inside of the freezer, it was the kind of thing where you, you have to, like, press, like, a little button or something. Oh, okay. Or, like, pull a little tab. Mm-hmm. And that releases the latch, uh, you know, on the outside. And mm-hmm. then you can open the door. And and then the other one, it was just you could open it. Mm-hmm. Um, but aqu- according to the hotel, all the lights were also off at the time. So she was walking into. Mm-hmm. I think you have to keep that in mind too. She was walking into like um, a place that was sort of under construction, and then opening this latch into a dark room, and then going into another completely dark room, both of which were consecutively f- colder than the other. It just seems very strange to me. The whole thing, from the very beginning when I heard about it in 2017, seemed very strange. You know, it leaves you with a very unsettled feeling. I always thought it was an accident, but I heard about a cover-up? Question mark? Do you know anything about that? I didn't really hear anything about a cover-up necessarily in my sources. Um, I mean, I think that... Of course not. They're keeping it a secret. Sure. I mean, that's the whole point, right? I mean, I think a cover-up has been alleged you know sort of but you know against the hotel that someone may have been involved that there may have been hotel employees that are, were aware that the ho- that the party was happening and the party was being done with a with a stolen credit card and therefore they wanted to cover things up i have i did hear that mm-hmm. but i never heard who those people were or that they were ever charged or anything else about that but mm-hmm. that is one avenue that i did hear about but that wouldn't necessarily seem to lead to murder. 
per se, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, there are other, like, allegations and theories, but I'm just not going to get into them because they're just people saying things. Like, <laughs> Yeah, know? that's how it's like with this case, Yeah, it seems. Yeah, it's just people making stuff up. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so when... It, yeah. So to, to get back to my, my write-up... Um, Authorities didn't offer any specific theory, though, as to this sort of question that we've been hashing out, right, as to why she would have gone into the freezer, other than she was drunk and it happened. So Kanika's family also claimed that Kanika, in her inebriated state, like I said, would have lacked the coordination or the strength to be able to do this. So they they contended that. And, um, you know, why she would have gone in there again sort of just remains a mystery, I think. But the autopsy did reveal one key factor that almost certainly contributed to Kanika's death, that one drug that I mentioned earlier. So there was a, a traces of a pharmaceutical called topiramate, or topiramate, I'm not sure how one actually says it, um, which is used to treat epilepsy and migraines. And Kanika had not been prescribed this drug. Mm-hmm. It's not clear why she took this or where it came from. At all. Like, that was never... I never heard anything else about that. That's and you'd quite think, mysterious. You'd think the police would want to investigate that. You know, I mean, mm. where did this drug that she wasn't prescribed to, where did it come from? Was but, she... I don't know. Was she black? Yeah, she was black. Yeah, it's different when you're black. I, I, Everything's different when you're black. It's fucked up. That's true. Um, so, uh, as I'm getting my place back here... I can't hear you. Mac is so loud. I know, right? It's like super loud. Mac has been a very um, consistent presence in this in this podcast today. Oh, right. So a side effect of topiramate is to enhance the effect of alcohol and hypothermia. Uh, oh? So it, it was sort of weirdly the deadliest combination that she could have actually experienced. Yeah, that's like weirdly appropriate for what happened. Ooh, right. I don't like that. But it's oh, not it's not like a, a quote unquote date rape drug. I know. It's not but... something that's typically used for that, which is also weird. But yeah, it weirdly like increases the severity of hypothermia. What if it was suicide? I never heard anything about that, but I mean, who's to know, really, right? Um, and her, her blood... During the autopsy, her blood alcohol content was found to be 0.112. Oh, so okay. well over the legal limit of 0.08. Yeah. Um, I believe it's 0.08 in Illinois. I'm not sure. So the drug probably, um, obviously, contributed to Kanika's um, especially drunk behavior um, and maybe some of the, the mood effects as well, I'm not sure, on the night of her death. And the autopsy also confirmed that Kanika had suffered from hypothermia before she died, um, which was indicated by lesions in her stomach. Mm. So the the importance of that to me is that she wasn't killed and then moved into this freezer. Yeah. She died in the freezer. Mm-hmm. We know that because she con- she contracted hypothermia while she was in there. Um. So the only outward trauma on her body, though, was, quote, an abrasion on the right ankle and a purple contusion on her right leg, close quote, which I'm assuming she just got while she was stumbling. You know, like I said, she was hitting walls and stumbling onto things. So that that wouldn't seem to, you know, indicate more than that. Was there cameras in the room? Like, do we see her opening the door and going in the freezer? No. 
No, the um, outer door to the cooler is just outside the frame of the last camera security footage. Ah, of course it is. I know, I know. Um, and there's no footage inside. It, and in fact, it was it was apparently pitch black within there, or at least dark. So it's not clear that that would have even captured anything. Mm. So while authorities continued to receive tips about foul play and other, like I said, fanciful, more or less scenarios... And didn't rule any of those out, right? Which, you, you know, of course you can't do. I mean, anything is possible, almost. Um, they considered all of those to be pretty unlikely. And like I said, we're pretty much just going with the accidental death, misadventure, um, you know, scenario. And police confirmed that the, la- that the latching mechanism on both sides of the freezer was working. So she wasn't locked in there, um, even accidentally. Um and they also said that the, that they confirmed that the lights would have been off. So, okay. you know, just to kind of nail down those details of what occurred. And then on October 6th of 2017, Cook County Medical Examiner's Office officially ruled Kanika's death an accident and, and closed the case. Kanika's mother, Teresa, filed civil suit for $50 million in damages against Crown Plaza Hotel. Quote, it's security contractor and the restaurant that was renting space at the time, close quote. The suit alleges, quote, had defendants properly intervened when they observed Kanika visibly disoriented, confused, and lost within their premises, they would uh, they would have prevented her from entering the abandoned kitchen and prevented her death, close yeah, quote. Yeah, where was everybody, right? Exactly, which, again, d- did they not do that because they were aware of this party and they didn't want to, like, raise right. suspicion? We don't know. That's part. That's sort of part of the mystery as well. But there, there's a, 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 a uh, they're alleging some amount of negligence on the part of the the hotel, etc. So we're left with what I think are just a series of questions, right? Why didn't like we're just talking about the hotel staff intervene if Kanika was obviously, as we see, so clearly in distress um, to the point where you would think that they really should have called an ambulance for her. Someone's looking like that. They are in danger of alcohol poisoning. Um, why did her friends leave her, right, even briefly, when she was, again, in that That's severely a good inebriated condition? That's yeah. a huge mystery to me. Never would seem to be answered in my sources. And most bafflingly, why would Kanika ever have gone into a disused kitchen area under construction, opened two latches into consecutively colder rooms, one of which is freezing, and then fall asleep on the floor? Why? Why would anyone do that, even if they were really drunk? It's not typical drunk person behavior. Yeah. All I'm saying. It's a very unsatisfying mystery. It's sad. <laughs> it's very sad. It's, it's just but there's, purely but tragic. There's, oh, but it's, oh, it's weird. And it's very scary. Well, and that's it's the very thing, real. Because how scary is it? Because was she killed or not? That's the scary mystery that wraps around the whole thing, right? Yeah. That everyone's so fascinated with. I mean, obviously, again, this person was cut down in the prime of their life, you know, right before she was getting ready to take the next step into her future. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the tragedy, right? That's why it's so sad and and tragic. Um, But if there is also someone who killed someone in 2017 in Chicago, then we should know that, you know, because they might be doing it to other people. Yeah. And we just don't know. Huge mystery. And I'm glad that they brought it back, um, that the the person who um, 
slid into our DMs, brought it back into our. Oh country. God. I just, I had to say it just just once. I'll just say it once, <laughs> but I had to. Um, so absence, some kind of deathbed confession, some kind of amazing, miraculous revelation. Um, this would seem to remain a mystery, um, like so many that we talk about. And of course, people compared this to the Elisa Lamb case. That's what I was thinking about. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's sort of an inevitable comparison, and that is such a confounding case. Although the indications for murder in that case are more robust than in this one, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And um, did we do that one? Yes, we you did. did that one. I thought so, I thought so. So anyway, that's my mystery for this this time, our 99th um, episode. Yay! I'm proud of us. And I know, right? Uh, I know even uh, Brid- Bridget, my uh, brother's wife, was like, oh yeah, you wow. guys are up to almost 100. So anyway, my sources are Wikipedia, the death of Kanika Jenkins episode, uh, or page, I should say. <laughs> Christina Coleman at Essence, John Kyleman, Gregory Pratt, John Byrne and Catherine Rosenberg Douglas at Chicago Tribune, Amanda said like Heavener at Ranker, Candace Sutton and Rohan Smith at News.com.au, Maria Perez at Newsweek, Amy B. Wang at Washington Post. Okay, I'm going to start with my sources first because I didn't write them down. They're just like open. So I am talking about the Bricka family murders, and this is happened in 1966. So this is an old one, and I think it's funny that you said deathbed confession or something like that because mm-hmm. I don't think this is ever going to get solved. It's been fifty some years, and I think that if it's going to be solved, it's because somebody had a deathbed confession and then worked from there. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I don't think it's going to get solved, but. My sources, Cincinnati Magazine, a article by Grant Freaking ca- called Death on a Quiet Street, and um, excerpts from the book um, Summer's Almost Gone by J.T. T- Townsend, as well as an article on his, on his um, website, jttownsend.com, and an article... Uh, for WCPO ABC in Cincinnati by Greg Noble. And those are my sources. So this is a brutal one. September 27th, 1966, the members of the Bricka family were found slain in their home. And to this day, we have no suspects. So Jerry Bricka. Jerry Bricka was born in San Francisco, California, he went to Stanford University and earned a degree in engineering in 1960s. Very smart dude. He was 28 years old at the time of his death. He was a chemical engineer. He worked at the Monsanto Plastics Facility, and he actually first worked up in Seattle, but he was transferred over to Cincinnati, um, where he met his he actually met his wife, Linda, in Seattle, Linda Jane Bula. So Linda was a stewardess for American Airlines at the time. She grew up in Barrington, Barrington Hills, Illinois. She was rich. <laughs> yeah. Barrington is... Uh, is that one of the Northwest suburbs? Very wealthy, very wealthy. Yeah. Um, neighbors recall her quote, unusual passion for animals, which led her to taking a part-time job at a veterinary, at a, how do you say that? Veterinary? Veterinary? Well, if you're British, you could say it. Veterinary. Veterinary. A veterinary clinic. Yeah. End quote. 
Um, that was pretty bad. I apologize. Doctor! Doctor! I've <laughs> <laughs> been watching a lot of Doctor Lots of Doctor Who. And they got married in November of 1961. So this very cute, young, happy couple. Um, on June 9th, 1962, Linda gave birth to a little girl. They named her Deborah Ann. And then a little more than a year later was when they moved over to Cincinnati. So neighbors describe Jerry as, um, he's hardworking, friendly, always quick with a smile. And, you know, like I said, by all accounts, they were happy. They were this classic all-American family, you know. They even had two dogs, one named Thumper, the other named Dusty. They lived in a subdivision called Woodhaven in Bridgetown, which is an area on the west side of Cincinnati. So they lived in the suburbs, which is interesting to note because at this time, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati, wow, Cincinnati Strangler was on the loose. And I believe when this happened, he was like... He had killed four people and then shortly after had killed his fifth victim. However, the Cincinnati Strangler was killing old women and in within the city limits. So uh, people in the suburbs kind of thought they were relatively safe Mm -hmm. until this happened. However, um, it it was determined that this was not the Cincinnati Strangler, but it was it it happened during a heightened time of, of, of fear. Okay. Um. So, yeah, classic 60s suburban neighborhood, uh, white picket fences, 2.5 kids, major crime was unheard of, you know. The Brickas were the youngest couple in the division, and the neighbors actually dubbed them, quote, the kids. And, you know, the, the family actually mostly kept to themselves, but the neighbors knew enough of their daily routine to notice when something wasn't right. So the last time Jerry Bricka was seen was Sunday, September 25th, 1966, taking out the trash so it could be collected Monday morning. It was Tuesday, September 27th, when the neighbors started to become suspicious. No one had seen the Brickas the day before on, on Monday. So the last time Jerry was seen was Sunday. Nobody had seen them on Monday. Um, their trash cans were still on the curb, which was unusual. One of the neighbors said that Linda was, quote, religious about the trash cans, and she always picked them up in a timely manner when they were empty. And that day there were newspapers on their curb, the morning newspaper, evening newspaper, and then the morning newspaper, um, still out there. And the dogs were barking nonstop. So Betty Meyer, um, one of the, one of the neighbors, she goes to her husband, Dick Meyer, and, and she's like, something's wrong over there. You should, you should bring, um, you should, you should see what's going on over there. So he actually calls Jerry's workplace, workplace and finds out that he actually hadn't shown up there for two days. And so Dick Meyer calls his friend, Dick Jansen, um, friend and neighbor to voice his concerns. And the two men went to go check on the family that night between 10 and 10 30 PM. The lights were on and the dogs were barking and, but nobody answered the door when they knocked, the door was unlocked. And when it opened, the place smelled foul. Um, Meyer had served in world war two. So he knew what was going on. He said, quote, I told Dick there was something dead in there. Recalls Meyer. There's not another smell like that in the world. End quote. So, John Bricka, 28 years old, and Linda, 23 years old, 
were found in their upstairs bedroom. And Debbie, four years old, was found in hers. All had been brutally stabbed. Police were called. The crime scene was secured. Meyer and Jansen were called into the house to identify the bodies. And eventually they were carried out. The... So once the autopsy was conducted was when lots more was revealed. And that's when it was released to the public how really bad, how truly bad this this crime was, how horrifying. And Jerry and Linda had been bound before they were killed. Jerry had a sock stuffed in his mouth, possibly taped as there was tape bound around his chin. Jerry was stabbed in the back and the neck ten times, or no, no, nine times. Linda had been stabbed in the chest eight times, and she also had shallow cuts on her face, which were most likely defensive wounds, but we don't know. I've heard stuff like killers, if if there's like shallow wounds, I've heard stuff of like killers being like hesitant Mm -hmm. and like, mm, before they actually like get in and and do it. But this was on her her face, so it might have been taunting or torture or defense wounds, like we don't know. It's very, it's very peculiar. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and Debbie had been stabbed four times and she was stabbed completely through, like straight to fucked up. Right. And the placing of the stab wound suggests that the killer used a carving knife with his left hand, though no murder weapon was ever found or identified. And most of the wounds were deep, like seven inches deep. Yeah. So this was brutal, personal, overkill murder. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, this is like a a suburb in in Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, it's 1966. We have like this all-American family, sweet, young, living here. And this totally spooked the town, shocked everybody. Um, One newspaper reported people, quote, buying ice picks, beer can openers, tear gas guns, shotguns, pistols, ammunition, door locks, barrel bolts, and door chain guards in an effort to protect themselves, end quote. Beer can openers? I don't know why. I don't know what that's about. But one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) That's what I thought of when I read that list. It would make a good weapon because it's got a handle and you can... I don't know. Pillow at night? I'm not sure. Sure. The... SPCA reported that uh, lots of large dogs were being adopted at a higher rate and um, people started to petition, petition for more streetlights. They hired um, Nightwatch. They hired like a, another, another officer for the first time for like around the clock police service, which wasn't something that actually was enforced there. They didn't have around the clock police service. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I read that the police worked like 12 to 14 hour days, but they didn't, they weren't like on patrol, like at, at, in the middle of the night, you know, like there wasn't 24 hour service, which is interesting. And people, yeah, people, people were scared. Trick or treat was moved to Sunday afternoon. Like it was crazy. The investigation went on for, well, it's still going on. Um, the officers that are at the precinct now, they do review it from time to time and it's still an open case. And, um, it's one of those things that they're still looking for tips. They're still looking for help from the public. I don't know that they'll ever get that 
help. I mean, um, you know, by seven months after the police had interviewed, by that time the police had said they interviewed over 300 people, but none of them had any tips, any solutions, any any anything that they could grab at and work off of. There were no there were no leads, no suspects. They were still searching for the alleged murder weapon, a teak wood knife with a steel blade, and that was a a knife that was missing from the home. So we don't even know if it was the murder weapon in the first place. We just know know that there was a knife missing from their house. Um there were no signs of forced entry and the house had been ransacked, but nothing of value was taken. So it wasn't like a robbery gone wrong or anything like that, which, you know, you'd think would be, um, the case, right? Yeah. It almost feeds into again, that rage. It seems like very much a rage kill, which would seem to suggest that it was someone who knew them personally. Right. Especially since there was no, you know, sign of forced entry. That's what I think. I think it was somebody who knew them personally. And, you know, they interviewed a lot of people, but, you know, they never really come up, came up with anything, anything solid. Um, police presume that this was planned. And although passionate, it wasn't like in the heat of the moment. Um, police theorize that Debbie may have been killed because she could have recognized her parents' killer or killers. You know, we don't know. We've got to keep all of our options open at this point. Mm-hmm. The murder was violent, described as overkill, and 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 like you said, they the police also suspected that this was this person was not a stranger. Mm-hmm. And the media, of course, was all over this, right? This went national. It was very brutal, very unexpected, and it was again this all American family, and that's what people want to I mean, as you and I know, that's something that people tend to hitch on to the most when it's this like classic family. Cause at that point it's like, Oh, this could happen. Oh, if they're not safe and they're like a delic neighborhood, like are we safe over here? Like that's. Yeah. I think that yeah. the headline of family killed right. just makes such a, a brutally arrestingly, you know, spectacular headline Yeah, that I, I think it really attracts people's attention. I mean, just like the Hendricks family murder, that we talked yeah. about from here. You yeah. Know, from um, when those things happen, you know, it, it just, it's so, like you're saying, it, it cuts to the core of your own safety. You know, any family could be killed. Yeah. My family could be killed. It's like, oh, the, you know, that house across the street, the one that's right over there. Yeah. Three people were killed in that house yesterday. Right. Like what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Lieutenant Herbert Vogel, and County Prosecutor Melvin Ruger, they were the main investigators in the case, and they were the ones that were mostly speaking to the media um, about their about their theories and what they think may have happened. But then, of course, it was an open case at the time, and there wasn't much that they could say. I mean, it's still an open case. Um, so, questions, theories, right? Was there more than one killer? Um, did one person take down two adults and tie them up? That's what I was kind of interested in as well. Um, this was a family, an entire family, you know, um, it could have been more than one person. If robbery wasn't the motive, then what was the motive, right? Um, was there, where is the murder weapon and was the knife missing from the home, even the murder weapon in the first place? One theory that circulated was that 
the killer was a man Linda had been having an affair with, but that was never confirmed. It was just a rumor. There were also rumors that Jerry was having an affair or that this was like a mafia hit or that this was like a planned, like, assassin or something. It doesn't um, seem like that. Or, this is not an assassin or a mob hit. I know. MO I don't all. think so either. It's yeah. too, uh, too much. Yeah. Too much. It's not silent or hidden. It's, this right. was shocked everybody. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there was something going on at Jerry's job. Like, did he knew some, know something he wasn't supposed to? Um, and they did have, police did have one suspect. However, that guy was interviewed twice and then he lawyered up real quick and then he stopped talking. Mm. And so there was nothing that they could do at that point. Um, I think I read that Herbert Vogel, the, the lieutenant, like blamed it on the Miranda ruling and there were some issues there. But that's really all they had. And eventually, you know, that guy died or disappeared mm-hmm. in the wind. And That was right around that time when the Miranda ruling happened, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this one's very mysterious to me because it's so random. It's disturbing. It's like brutal. I couldn't find much about their families or people coming in to, to talk about them or or anything like that, which was weird. And the article in Cincinnati Magazine noted that as well. As well, they were like, there were no like tearful family members like on the news, like asking for justice and stuff like that. Mm. Which. I don't know if it's just lost in something that was lost in time or, but you know, they just didn't have family that could get there. Also that. Yeah. I mean, weren't they from somewhere else? You said, yeah, she was from Barrington, Illinois and he was from San Francisco, California and they lived in Seattle for a little bit and then they moved over to Cincinnati. Maybe they were just disconnected from their family. Maybe we don't know. Um, But they seem to kind of be disconnected from the neighborhood too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe that means something, but who knows? <laughs> it could mean anything. It could mean that they're focused and so, yeah. busy. Right. Or it could mean that there's some shady shit going on. We don't exactly. know. Exactly. And as always, it could be aliens. You always have to leave that possibility it's open. Not aliens. I mean, but who but it could but it wasn't okay. Aliens. Fine. I'm shutting Shoot you down, down. on the alien down. theory. But that is the story of the very sad. Very tragic. Bricka family murders. Right, Mac? Yeah. Yeah? Now he's being good. You know? Well, I think we have a couple of quick weird shits. <gasps> Is it time? Next. It's time. It's time! We finished our mysteries and now it's time. I've got mine open. Me too. You go first. Okay. Um, you'll be happy to know that at the Osaka airport, you can now introduce your canine to the canine comfort room. Complete with people, at at which your dog can relieve him or herself and uh, be re- well equipped to go on their flight. Um, just a little public service announcement: if you're flying into Itami Airport in Osaka, which is I that Japan will never never be. Yes, that's correct. Um, so yeah, they got a peephole. It's great. Uh, dogs can go and uh, relieve themselves. And relieve their owners of that nagging feeling that their dog needs to relieve themselves. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, 
ooh, ooh, ah, I have... <laughs> Is that your weird shit, your text form? <laughs> My text forms? I have... Okay, so this is from Huff HuffPost, and the title is by Ed Mazza, and the title is Monty Python and the Foreign Object. Let's pull something from Snake and keep pulling. So this is a, and I try not to do weird shit that's mostly about a video, but it is mostly about this video of a pet snake in Australia who needed some, like, emergency care after it swallowed an entire beach towel. Gross. They, it so... The um, vets at the Small Animal Specialist Hospital in Sydney, Sydney, um, this this snake is ten feet. He's a teenager, eighteen years old. She, she, um, and a jungle carpet python. And they actually like gave it anesthesia and like found the towel. Then they just yanked it out. I mean, they didn't just yank it out. You know, right. there was like special equipment and they stuff, but delicately removed it. the, the video is pretty wild. And then it's like some Mary Poppins pulling out of her bag <laughs> shit where they just like keep, Oh my God, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but the name, the, the pet's name is Monty. Aww. Yeah. And I assume it's going to be okay. Both Snake and Towel are now doing well. Quote, Monty was discharged from the hospital the same day and her owner reports she was back to her happy, hungry self. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, how precious. Okay. It's weird that people have pet snakes, right? Yeah. That's crazy to me. Seems cool. I wonder if they're great pets. Uh, I mean, uh, Ricky always liked having them, my cousin Ricky, but... Okay, well, I think that's about it. For Thank this you guys week. for listening. And we'll we'll have a and stay a, tuned for our one hundredth episode. episode. Right. Oh, go team, go team, we'll team mystery. One more coming sometime in the next couple of weeks. Yay. We won't set ourselves to a particular day or anything. Just to, but um, we'll we'll get next one will be a hundredth. So, okay. Thanks for Thanks listening. For Follow us on all the social medias: right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can go to my Twitter at MarioTex30, and you can see Mac the Cat at uh, Mac the Cat. And you can find me. You can find me on Twitter. I'm sure you can. It's not you that hard. It. You can do it. Twitter's kind of a Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.